If you will take your Bibles and go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to start out there this morning. Good to have all of you here, especially our visitors. Uh, we welcome you to come back for our evening service at 6 o'clock tonight, uh, where uh, Randy English will be here to uh, talk about some of his uh, mission work. Before we begin, let's go to God in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord, as we once again humbly bow before thy throne of grace and mercy, we thank you for this opportunity we have to study another portion of your word. We pray, Lord, that the things that we study from your word, that we may make application in our lives, that we may be willing and able to teach others so that many lost souls may be saved. Help us again, Lord, each and every day to be the best Christians that we can be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's important when you are supposed to bring a prop for a sermon that you bring the prop. Well, I didn't bring the prop. So I asked Sister Janice if she would get me a, a, a measuring stick or a yardstick, something inconspicuous. I'm not so sure how inconspicuous that is, but you could probably see it pretty well. You know... In measuring a face board for uh, the kids' rooms, I remembered an old saying from a, a carpenter, and that is, measure twice and cut once. You ever heard that before? Measure twice and cut once. I found out that although you measure twice, sometimes three times, if you don't use the right measurement, it still doesn't turn out right. Especially those angles that go in the corners. Wow, we. I really need somebody to school me on those. You know, in medicine, measuring is pretty important. I'll tell you how important it is. The difference in a ML or where your dot is in your measurement, 0 0.01, 0 0.1, 1.0, that dot really matters. It can be the difference between saving your patient and killing them. There's some drugs that we use in what's called a rapid sequence induction or rapid sequence innovation in the medical field. It's the same thing that an anesthesiologist does, except we do it going 130 knots at 5,000 feet. And it's very important that we give those drugs in the right amounts. We give one drug called vecuronium or norcuron that is 0.01 milligrams per kilogram for a defasciculating dose. Did that just go right over your head? So a defasciculating dose means that the defasciculation of the muscles, we want to relax them first. We don't want to paralyze them, we just want to relax them. So that's 0.01 milligrams per kilogram. That same exact drug at 0.1 milligrams per kilogram will paralyze them for 50 minutes. That means you don't breathe for 50 minutes. Guess who gets to breathe for you? We do. So see where that dot is really makes a difference. Another drug we give called succedylcholine or anectine, we call it sucks. Not, not in a negative sense, it's just easier to say. And that's one milligram per kilogram. See, the dot really matters, doesn't it? 
when we intubate that person after giving those drugs, the tube has to be at just the right depth. For a pediatric patient, it has to be 16 plus age divided by 4. We have to measure just right. When you make a cake, if you don't put the right amount of leaven or the right amount of flour in that cake, it doesn't rise, does it? When you make preacher cookies, I'm picking on my wife for a second. She makes really good preacher cookies. Anybody know what a preacher cookie is? No? Peanut butter, chocolate, oatmeal cookies? No baked cookies? If you don't get the temperature right on the sugar for just the right amount of time, guess what happens to those cookies? They're mush. When they turn out right, though, they firm up and they're delicious. So we have to use the right measurements. Well, I use all these as illustrations to say we have to measure ourselves as Christian with the right measurement. And that measurement is God's Word. So we want to look at a few things this morning that the Bible tells us about measuring our lives as Christians. And I start with the verse of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, that is correctly, not as fools, but as wise. We as Christians have to look at the standard by which we have been given in order to walk correctly and circumspectly in our lives as Christians. We have to have the correct measure in order to see how we measure up to the standards of God. Again, back to that old bit of the carpenter's advice. Measure twice and cut once. It's far better to, be, to make sure one is right deliberately, cautiously, and carefully than to hastily and thoughtlessly act in ways that turn out to be very, very negative and wrong in our lives. It's possible for a person's life itself to be ill-measured. Drug addicts, alcoholics, teen moms. It's important for us to measure ourselves by a standard. But if our standard gets off into what the world sometimes has us to believe, we go very astray from the proper measure of God's Word. In regard to God, we sometimes are shockingly careless in our measuring of ourselves. So let's look at a few things this morning that will help us measure twice and cut once. In the matter of religion in general, it's very interesting, uh, uh, Tommy was talking about in his class this morning about religion, and um, it reminds me of, of several different things um, about people's misconception of religion as a whole. You know, given the ramifications of the question, the casual way in which many have tossed aside religion is, is very appalling and incredible to me. The average person has rejected religion on the basis of hastily made assumptions or decisions based on someone else they claim to be religious. Sometimes, unfortunately, those who they measure their standard are wrong. Uh, 
Many have never taken the time to try to investigate religion as a whole. They spend so much time studying other things of the world and not studying the Word of God. You have to go to school for a long time to be a doctor. You have to be, go to school a long time to be an optometrist. You have to go to school for a long time to be a dentist. You have to go to school for a long time to be all sorts of jobs. And those people study those and they go to school day in and day out and continue their reading as things change over time. Consequently, that's why they call it practicing medicine, right? Because you really are practicing medicine. You're, you learn as you go. Just hope that they've learned before they get to you, right? Um, so you really do learn before you go. But if we spent as much time as a Christian looking at God's Word and measuring our life against God's Word and applying those things in our life, if people in the world took as much time studying religion as they do studying their secular jobs, this world would be a better place, wouldn't it? And many, many more souls would be saved if we just took the extra time to study. And I'm not pointing fingers because I'm just as guilty. I don't study near as much as I should. So I'm preaching to me too. I'm stepping on my own, own toes up here. We all need to study religion as much as we do the other things that are of a whole lot less importance in life. Often modern people do not even have the curiosity of the Athenians, the philosophers to hear the case for Christianity. Turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 17. And we're going to spend a little bit of time there in Acts chapter 17. <clears throat> Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. And the, then a certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer for, a for, for foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him before the Arab... I always have a hard time with this. Arapagus. Arapagus, I'm sorry. Uh, saying, may we know what this new doctrine is in which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but neither to tell or to hear of some new thing. They were spending a lot of time trying to understand this, weren't they? Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. You know anybody who's very religious? 
For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in the temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the, all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope Him for and find Him, though He is not far from each of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, Also, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. They concentrated and wanted to know more so that they could know more about these things that Paul was teaching them. Perhaps we're more like those in Athens who hurriedly mocked than those who wanted to hear more before making up their minds. In verse 32, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked while others said, he, we will hear you again on this matter. They wanted to know more. We, as we investigate religion, as we investigate what God's Word says, must study God's Word. It's not always as simple as just reading the Bible through in a year. There has to be application of those words and those things that we read. Many have never truly considered the evidence of God's Word. Turn, if you will, over to the book of Psalms chapter 8. Psalms chapter 8, <clears throat> beginning in verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the Son of Man, that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. God loves us. He loved us enough to send his only Son to die a cruel death on a cross, so that through his blood we might be saved. Maybe we should give him the time to investigate his word and to make application of that word in our lives as Christians. Secondly, we want to look at in uh, religion or measuring twice in the manner of choosing a church. Choosing a church. How thoughtful is the average person's analysis of what is going on in the world of Christian denominationalism. You know, you see signs on, on trucks and cars and, and on billboards that say, choose the church of your choice. I want to share a story with you. 
have a very dear friend who is a denominational preacher. We have many, many wonderful discussions and disagreements on religion and church. Some of you here actually know him. Uh, He sent me a text last night to my cell phone. And this was just too good not to share. He sent me a text to my cell phone and he said, Curiosity question. Do you support the mission, ministry, purpose of the Salvation Army? I thought, wow, it's two months before Christmas. Why is he asking me this? My response to him was no. That's the short answer. If you would like to have the long answer, we can discuss. He said, okay. Just wondered, short answer is good enough. I just watched a program that explained the long answer. Thanks for the response. Well, I couldn't leave it at that. So I said, what say you? Question mark. Well, short answer. This is his response. Short answer, I support the Salvation Army and disagree with the points made by the program. Listen to this. Listen to this. The program was a discussion panel on GBN entitled Unity of the Spirit, which is Church of Christ sponsored and supported. Did you catch that? My denominational preacher friend was watching GBN. Isn't that good? I think it's wonderful. Okay, so so he goes on to say, You are my church of Christ barometer. Now, I've been called a lot of things. I've been called some really bad things, and I've been called some really good things. But this is the first I've ever been called a barometer. He says, You are my church of Christ barometer, and I consider you middle of the road, meaning not liberal and not conservative. Now, I'll take that as a compliment, too. So you are the yardstick that I trust. How well does this fit into the sermon I already had prepared for today in measuring yourself twice for one life? He said, you're the yardstick that I trust. There are many points we respectfully disagree upon, but I listen nonetheless to the arguments. I was just curious if your viewpoint matched what I watched, at least in general overview terms. My response was, awesome, thanks. We need to measure ourselves by the yardstick of the Word of God. And if we measure ourselves by the yardstick of the Word of God, maybe other people will think we're their yardstick too. Isn't that how um, pyramid schemes work? Huh? Not to compare the church to a pyramid scheme, but, you know, if one person goes out and teaches another person and that person goes out and teaches multiple people, then you have a whole lot of people filling the doors of the church. Building. Many people's approach to church choosing is little better than hit or miss. 
If all seven of the churches of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 were locally here in Chattanooga, what would you use to measure which one you would be a member of? If all of them were here locally, how, what would you use to measure which one you would be a member of? Interesting question, isn't it? How carefully do we check the accuracy of churches and their practices against the authoritative standard, which is what? The Word of God. I have to go back to what Tommy said in his class this morning. So many people in the religious world, in the denominational world, have manuals by which they go by creeds written by whom? It's not written by God. It's written by man. Guess what? Man is fallible. God is infallible. We must measure ourselves by the standard in which God has given us. He's made it simple. He loves us and He's given us all pertaining to life and godliness. The question of whether a doctrine is true is no trivial matter. It's an important matter that we need to investigate, that we need to study, that we need to make application of in our lives as Christians. It's no trivial matter. It's not trivial to have instrumental music in worship. It's not trivial to have women preachers. It's not trivial matters. It doesn't measure up to the standard by which God has given us. Dealing responsibly with the problem of modern religious division requires at least the attitude of the Bereans. Notice, if you will, in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. These were more fair-minded than those of Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Shouldn't we be like that as Christians? Should we not search the Scriptures daily to make sure that the things that we are, we are doing in our lives meet that standard? Thirdly, we should measure twice in a matter of life that the Christian should live. In a world filled with evil, there's no realistic hope of living acceptable before God without the circumspect approach to the matter. As we read in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, we are to walk carefully, circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Imagine your life as a speech. What kind of speech would it be? Would it be one that is very meticulous and specific and particular in speech or would it be some haphazard, impromptu speech that you give? Which one is more effective? Those that have studied, those who make application, and those who share that in a way that is understandable to others. We need to be more like the men and the women who will consciously and carefully distinguish from right and wrong. 
Turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And verse 14. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It's interesting that word exercise there. Uh, Does it take effort to exercise? I can tell you from personal experience it sure does. Not only does it take effort, it takes time, doesn't it? Shouldn't we exercise our minds, our brains with the Word of God and partaking of the Word of God, digesting that Word and being able to live the life that the Word of God presents to us? Socrates is reported to have said the unexamined life is not worth living. Life is too consequential not to be thoughtful and deliberate about it. We ought to carefully settle on our convictions and then fit our lives to those convictions. Too often we merely do what comes naturally and then make up a set of convictions. We can be like Jiminy Cricket. Let your conscience be your guide only if your conscience is by the measure of God's Word. Can you have a conscience that's off track? Yes, you can. Because you have been taught that by someone. So our conscience has to be measured by God's Word. And then we can let our conscience be our guide. The spiritual consequences of ill-measured deeds can be eternal for the life of man. We cannot afford to cut now and measure later. We must measure now twice and cut once. We get one life and only one. Once done, that life cannot be undone. Building a life is serious business. Building a life is serious business. Constructing a character is important work. Mistakes, when made, can be disastrous. They can lead us down a road that we can never recover from. That road of being disastrous can lead us to a home that we, want to be, that we don't want to be part of. I don't want to be with Satan for eternity. I don't want to be with him at all. I want to be with the Lord who loved me enough to send his son to die on a cruel cross. What kind of words describes the quality of your life's workmanship up to now? Haphazard? Slipshod? Makeshift? Just getting by? Or purposeful? meticulous and thoughtful. Notice, if you will, one more scripture with me this morning, and that is 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
and verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It is vital that we study to find the truth. That we think about the significance and implications of that truth that we study and act on the basis of that truth. Jesus warned us to count it the cost of discipleship in Luke chapter 14 verses 25 through 33. This would involve an equally somber assessment of the cost of non-discipleship. Count the cost of what it's going to be to follow me. But we, as Christians, must count it a cost of what it is not to follow the Lord and not to follow the Word of God. The fact is, it costs very much more to refuse discipleship than to accept it. How carefully are we considering our discipleship to God? So far is your response to Jesus the result of careful consideration and deliberate action. Because you know what? God deserves nothing less. There may be some here this morning who need to respond to the Lord's invitation. You must hear the word of God as in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. For if you do not believe that I am He, will die in your sins. You must repent. Change your mind. For the time of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands every man everywhere to repent. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. You must Confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be buried in that watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. There's no other way. We as Christians must continuously measure ourselves to the standard of God's Word. Are we always going to walk exactly as God would have us to do? No, that's why we keep coming to service every Sunday. That's why we keep coming to Bible studies on Wednesday nights. That's why if we can, make it to Thursday morning Bible studies because we need all the help we can get in living our life to the standard by which God has given us. We need the prayers and support of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are like-minded, who can support us, who can edify us, who can lift us up, who can help us understand the Word of God and make application of that Word of God in our lives. If we could add up all the years that everyone in this auditorium here this morning have of being a Christian, I imagine it would be astronomical. There is lots of wisdom around us. We must learn to use it. If you have a need to respond to the Lord's invitation this morning to become a Christian or to make your life right with God and need the prayers and support of your brothers and sisters in Christ, we want you to measure twice and cut once. If you have a need to respond to that invitation this morning, we ask that you come to 
come forward as together we stand and sing.